Hey now, and welcome to Where Wine Takes You, a wine podcast all about the people, places, and stories that are shaping Paso Robles wine country as it becomes the hottest, most exciting wine region in the world. I'm your host, Adam Montiel. Well, you are in for a treat this episode. This is one for the WWTY ages. So I will say first, later, our Travel Paso Spotlight, again, about a wonderful event that we're excited about. We shared with you it last year at her table. Now, I've been waiting to get just any of these guests in a conversation like this for a long time, and I got three of them for you. All big names in the national spotlight within the wine industry, all three not from Paso. In fact, two of them come from about as far as you can get from Paso, Hawaii and Alaska. All three are so on top of their game in this business. People will be listening to this show far and wide just to hear these three people around one table. And I'm excited that they are letting me bring you to this table as well. Our guest today, first, the incomparable and immensely talented Elaine Chukan-Brown. She is a wine writer, a speaker, just a badass woman with a heart and passion. Man, she is so smart. It would be intimidating if she wasn't so sweet and had the friendliest smile. I first met her when she led a Hospice Drone panel, got her on my show for a few minutes, like just a segment, and from then on, I was like, I need to chat with her again. Well, today's the day, baby. Also on the show from Wine Enthusiast Magazine and local wine writer, Matt Ketman. Like, if I'm hosting a wine panel, it's because Matt Ketman is busy. He's a fantastic writer who is in the vineyards, in the cellars, building relationships with the community here on the Central Coast. Based out of Santa Barbara, he is a mainstay here, and I'm so excited to finally have him on the show because we have talked about getting him on for a long, long time. And finally, last but certainly not least, Master Sommelier Chuck Furuya. Chuck taught me the art behind talking story and what it means to come to table and share with the sole purpose of coming to table and to share. He is a sweet man, a smart man, magnanimous, and always has surprises, new things I'll learn about him every time I'm lucky enough to share space with him. He was like the 10th or so master psalm, one of the first in the country in the early 80s. He's changed the restaurant and hospitality game in Hawaii and elevated the island's culinary game in the process over the years by far. He was instrumental in putting Paso wines in first class when he was working with Hawaiian Airlines as they were trying to step up their game in hospitality. To him, hospitality is a culture. It is from the heart. It needs to be. From him, I learned that. So let's not waste another second. Let's get right into the chat. Coming up after the chat, I got some breaking news about Paso's Wine Fest this year, so make sure you are around for that. Now, I show up to the production facility of Ancient Peaks Wine in Paso, where these three just got off from doing an event where they were on a panel. They got sent upstairs to me waiting anxiously for them, and I think we come into the conversation, and again, Chuck is always surprising me with something I didn't know, that Chuck, Master Psalm, mind you, does not drink. Here we go. So give me that moonshine, we'll keep on. We pass on round till the job is done. Can't die in the trees, the world's amplified. Good company. Absolutely true. What? I don't drink. At all? No. I, I remember here. I taste a lot, but I you don't. You always spit? Yes. So uh, once in a while I'll drink, but n- not very often. I'm always the designated driver. 
Always. But it's because you're doing your cigar. You just want you I just quit smoking cigars, too. What? Can you hear your own? When did you do this? I did a uh, while ago. June, I think I January 2021. Okay. So my wife and I have been so remote because of COVID. Yeah. So we're together all the time, 24 hours a day. So that was my commitment to her, our relationship. I just wanted to show her that, you know, I'm seven, I just turned 70 yesterday, right? And then, Happy so birthday. it's just, Happy thank birthday you. yesterday? Yeah. Yesterday. Shock, you're spending it with us? That's so cool. So with, you're Every with wine speak. spent yesterday with me. <laughs> oh, really? <Yeah>. Every wine <laughs> speak yeah. I was here but for. But I mean, he's not in Hawaii. I was at wine speak. Yeah. Every, all those years. Every year was on my birthday. No way. Yeah. It's just a man that just knows that, please, I don't celebrate my birthday, so please don't. Happy birthday. Now, you love... And I'm not even going to use the past tense. You love cigars. So to do this no. for your relationship, yes. I don't miss beautiful. it at all. You don't? That's great. No. Because you, you would call And I quit cold turkey. Just one day I decided. That's that's some resolve and some strong will No, right but there. my wife, she does so much for me oh. and everything. I just wanted to show her that I also want to contribute to our relationship. You, so. you, I would hear stories that you would go to parks. It was my idea. To, yes, exactly. You would go to parks yes. and, and have a chair yes. in your car. Yes. And you would literally Everybody in up. Hawaii knows that I would be, I'd have a chair in my car and I see a, sh- a tree with shade and I would just park over there and go under the tree and smoke a cigar. And so everybody, it was like, where's Waldo? Hey, I saw Chuck at, at Alamo on the beach, but I saw Chuck. At, <laughs> it was so funny. Everybody, customer came into the restaurant. Hey, Chuck, I saw you up on the mountain. At the so con- you don't miss it? No, not at all. Why not? Um, I just resolved. It was. It was. <laughs> I, I try not to do things half-ass. So if I'm going to do that for our relationship, I don't ask anything in return. Just like she never asks for me in, in return. I just was my commitment to the, to the relationship. And also, now that I'm 70, what I do and everything influences our four children and our grandchildren. And so that I take that seriously. And so they learn things from me that's not all good. You know, how to deal with more um, road rage, for instance, or how to mourn. And so I have to be more, as I get older, instead of being so crazy, I need to be more uh, understand. Yeah. Just understand that with it comes responsibility or something. You know, I was listening to one of your podcasts where you were talking to, and I wanted to find one where you were bringing on somebody local, and you had one with uh, Makua Rothman, who is a big surfer there. And first of all, the story is great because you talk about how the two of you met, and it was very, like, happenstance and awkward, and he kind of, he almost made Chuck Furry angry, which is impossible. Possible, but it came into a beautiful. He, he uh, was good. He was going to take a five-gallon bucket and no, pour it on his buddy. It. Yes, but he tripped and it went on you. Yes, but like from up there. But a hundred percent of it. Yes, all on you. Like didn't even get your wife wet or the people no, next to you wet. Just me. Yeah, <laughs> direct hit. I was pissed. I was like, and so got a cigar so in your in hand. In case you don't know, my son-in-law, uh, one of our daughter's husband. He was a pro surfer. He was on the world tour for 12 years. So that's he was one of the top, world's top 30 surfers. So he's the more famous surfer. But right down the road is Makua. So Makua, so they all grew up together out there on the North Shore. And so that's why they're all hanging. And, they didn't, and I was looking at my son. I was so angry because I was soaking wet. And it hit me on the head. And I was looking at him like, bro, when you come to town, do I show you respect? <laughs> Your friends over here don't show me respect? What? North, what's wrong with the North Shore? And they so every no time <laughs> I see, I, I could be under a tree or something smoking a cigar. And all of a sudden this big gangster truck comes driving. It's Makua. Uncle! <laughs> You know, like that. It's so hilarious. You know, it's so cool because I love listening to you just like talk story with one of your boys from the island. But what was so cool, and uh, as I was listening to that, literally pulling into here, you start talking about Paso. 
Yes. And you start talking about, and then you start talking about wine speak, and you start talking about this love, and then you and the surfer who has played music up here, Makua Rothman, I guess, played, played music up here yes. at Vina Robles, and he was like, they have the Aloha spirit. And then this is why I'm so excited about having you, Elaine, and Matt here. We're going to chat with all of them, but there's something about this place that, you, that, that bites and bit all of you, but for you, being from Hawaii, this place has the Aloha spirit. What is it? So uh, a simple example of that is, again, wine speak when we first started. Amanda and I had no money. We had nothing. And so if it didn't succeed, I would pay half. She would have pay half. That was it. We had nothing. So she was able to get all these sponsors like our friend over here. you know. And so that's how it started, right? Okay. So then uh, that first year, it's just word of mouth. I expected maybe 25, maybe 35 people to come. That's it, right? So that's what we were set up for. Come October, it's 100 and something. So I'm looking at Amanda. She's looking at me, and we're sitting there going, where are we going to do this thing? You know, and so it was, it was getting crazy. And then so the biggest one was 200-something, so we had to go to another place. So the mayor and the city council of Atascadero uh, told Amanda she could use the city council chamber to do our event. So that's where we did our events. If you recall in 2018, there was all these horrendous floods. And so it, it wiped out Highway 101 between here and Los Angeles. So if you want to go to Los Angeles, you have to go to Highway 5 and then double back over. So that's how horrific it was. So the mayor and the city council had all these emergency meetings every night, right? So then after their meetings, they set up all the chairs, all the tables, all the wine glasses, all the spit buckets, all the wallet pitchers themselves. And then the last night of the event, the mayor came up to me to thank me for doing this thing. And I was looking at him, you got to be kidding me, man. You know, because they wouldn't give us a bill for all of that. They wouldn't oh, give us a bill. Wow. And so I'm looking at him like, what? And you're thanking me? And then there was a printing company. Amanda loves printing. So there was a printing, small printing company. And our bill was like nine, $10,000, some, some incredible amount. And at the end of the event, the lady standing in front of me, they wouldn't give us a bill. And then the, uh, the uh, tour companies, the vans and everything, to take us vineyard tours and everything, they wouldn't give us a bill. No one's going to go to a Tascadero and give her a business because she supported WineSpeak. You know, so it's just pure jumping in. Yeah, community. yeah, yeah. Unsolicited, un, no expectations. And it was like that the whole community jumped. So when Makua or myself tell about the Aloha spirit, it's like that in Hawaii. Paso Robles, that's the main attraction. I go to all these wine regions around the world. Paso Robles has that magic. Yeah. It's just total uninhibited unsolicited you know no expectation kind of uh, aloha and welcome you know i love that elaine i first met you at hospice Daron a couple years ago and you were presenting and i don't think i had seen you know sometimes these wine and, and matt's matt's really good at when i saw him do a cab franc one but sometimes these wine things don't always engage and they can be a little bit you know uh, but you were just one probably one of the most like dynamic people i've ever watched do one of these panels especially at an event like you know at Hospice Daron. What is it about this area that, you know, when did you first kind of learn about this area, but then also when did it first really kind of bite you and as something that had something very special? Well, the funny thing is there's a lot of parallels for me to Chuck's story because, but, you know, Chuck's from Hawaii, I'm from Alaska, and I don't think you could find two places that are more different in one sense, but actually when it comes to the people and the community and being really real, yeah, the culture, there's actually a lot of really strong overlaps. And I think for me coming from Alaska, which is such a unique part of the world, I've felt like an alien almost anywhere I go. Because in Alaska, like we don't have time to fake things. We don't have time to tell a bullshit story. 
we because you could freeze to death in the amount of time extra you're putting into it right and so and people are very aware of like is that person safe is this person eating like there's very you know unspoken awareness of the community and taking care of each other and i just sort of when i left alaska and started traveling around and i realized other places weren't like that it was really disheartening you know because it um i had to it just felt like, oh my gosh, there's just less sense community somewhere else. You yeah. know, what am I going to do with that? And the thing about, you know, the first time I came to Paso, actually Joel Peterson invited me to come down and he didn't just show me around. He like made sure I got everywhere. He drove me himself. I stayed in his house sometimes, you know, um, I, you know, and it was like, he, just because he called and asked, people would like make me dinner. And, you know, there's just this kind of generosity of spirit. But like Chuck was saying, it's also uninhibited. Like, I feel like I know who I'm interacting with just because they're being real. It feels like they're being real. And that means I don't have to worry about how I am too. Like, we're just there to see people, to care about people. And that sense of genuineness, I think, is the most important part. Like, we're coming here because we love wine. There's good wine here. There's good food here now too. There's, you know, really cool areas to visit but the truth is we keep coming here because the people are good people yeah that's such a cool theme and it's something that we see so much yourself included by the way oh that's too sweet chuck you know um one of those people matt i mean you're a local dude i mean you're from santa barbara but i mean you are no stranger you write about this area your finger is on the pulse of this area one what you know when you hear these two folks who know the wine business in and out just like you do but talk about you know your home turf like that that's got to be very heartwarming it is for me it's great yeah and it's i mean so i grew up in san jose i'm a fifth generation san jose and have a farming background you know i mean not my parents generation but before that they were shepherds and farmers and we grew up going to visit relatives in la and we drive through paso and paso we like actively avoided stopping in paso back then it was a dusty cowboy town that like no one thought we'd stop in we'd stop in king city before stopping in Paso, which is crazy. Damn. King City hasn't really <laughs> evolved a whole lot since then. King but, City's the same. Yeah. Um, but uh, at some point, you know, the, the wine started coming in. And wine, as I've seen wine do in a number of communities, it's, it changes a lot. You know, it brings a lot uh, more interest in the area. It brings uh, better food culture in the area. It generally brings better farming culture in the area. And I started clicking with the people here and, and the places. And, and there was a lot of history here to the wine that I think had been kind of forgotten. And so a lot of these uh, wineries were bringing that back on, into the forefront. And I just got fascinated with it. And it, and it is, um, you know, it's, it's a big AVA. So there's a lot of different landscapes, a lot of different topography. Um, and it's just a fascinating place. And there's all these like nooks and crannies to go figure out. And when I started reviewing wine for wine enthusiasts, I wasn't all that amped up on being a, a wine critic. But what I realized in, in taking the job was that it was going to let me go down these, these dusty dead-end roads uh, to these vineyards and to see these special places that I wouldn't otherwise get to see. And so, um, and that's how I got into wine in the first place. In Santa Barbara, where I've lived for now almost 30 years, it was you know, hanging out with winemakers and, and, and in vineyards and in these interesting places. And that was, to me, way more interesting than the wines themselves. Obviously, I like the wines too, but, uh, and I found that to be the case here in Paso, and it I, you know, I visit these days, I visit wineries as much in Paso as I do in Santa Barbara or anywhere else, because, um, it's not far from my house. Um, everyone's super hospitable. 
uh, whether it be Joel and, and Chris at the at the uh, the vintners teams um, or the winemakers themselves, and a lot of the people, you know, we speak the same language beyond wine. We like to talk about food. We like to talk about travel. We like to talk about different aspects of culture. And Paso has all of that now. We like and to talk, right? We like to talk. I mean, just it's the people, <laughs> and, and you're right. It's so interesting that when the people become part of the terroir. Yeah. You know, we're like, it's something that is just as fascinating. You know, of course, you could talk soils, you could talk this, you could talk that. But when the people become as big of a piece of the story, that's a pretty exciting, that's a pretty exciting dynamic. For sure. And it's also, as a journalist, it's way more interesting to write about than soil. You can yeah. only write so many soil stories. I can get interested in soil, but your audiences aren't always going to be interested in soil. Yeah. And so as a journalist for, you know, popular magazines, you have to be writing about things that people are interested in. And... The people are, tend to be interesting. And whenever I'm like this morning, I was at Full Draw, you know, Vineyard and, and hanging out with Connor McMahon there. And we're talking about wine, obviously, in vineyards. But I'm also asking about a story about growing up in Iowa and like this whole, you know, backstory of, of him. And that's what's interesting to me is like connecting with people and learning where they came from. And, and in that way, learning about that part of the world. You know, now I know a lot more about Fairfield, Iowa or wherever he's from than I, than I yeah. ever would have. Can you do what you do? I mean, obviously, like, you know, it's not like you can't be friends with these people and stuff. And I know, obviously, a magazine, there's, there's ad revenue, there's this or that. There's all these kinds of things. But like, you can't do what you do and not become I mean I've done what on my end interviewing people whether it's hosting this or that like you become close to yeah. the, the people in this and you genuinely like them and and yeah. root for them yeah. but now we're also writing about them is is there any Ben or it's well, I, I guess it doesn't have to be a conflict you can just kind of feed into it right I mean, I mean the conflict is more in actually reviewing their wines we do it blind but still you know that you're giving your friend he you know he they all want like a 95 plus oh but, sure yeah uh, but you know you're giving them a 90 when they thought they were going to get a 93 and it's just like you know oh, you, you hope that are those texts hard you get a text from someone you're like 94 bro really generally like you people, have given- <laughs> generally people don't do that which is good even ones that you're tight with uh, even ones that I'm tight with, yeah. It's almost like that's um, cool. So they mind that boundary. It's they, almost they respect like, that yeah, boundary. Like it, there's a boundary there, yeah. Um, and I wouldn't mind. I'd be happy to explain why I stand by the stuff I do. And, yeah. Um, but uh, do you yeah. ever struggle that with that inside? Like, God, I'm just so tight with them. I don't want to disappoint them. Yeah. I'll, I I'll used to have a full a beard. Point. You know, yeah. Now, yeah. Now it's like wispy and white, you know, so that could be some of that. I don't know. Yeah, there's definitely, I mean, I think just personally, I've always been someone that likes to please people, you know, sure. uh, and so that's, you know, in some ways part of, part of, um, do you ever get shit from people who you give a score to be get shit from someone else? Like, oh, but you gave them this occasionally. Yeah. yeah you get that sometimes. And do you just like blow it off and be like, okay, come on, bro. We got you, you know? Yeah. Or, I or don't, it like, it doesn't happen often enough for me to even remember what I do, honestly, yeah, yeah. but, um, if anything, I blow it off or say, hey, man, you got the other scores. You know, it's like it's you can't be held up on one one. And I always say I'll say this publicly anywhere. Like it's it's just one guy's or gal's, you know, feeling about one day of the life in this one wine. And that's only so valuable. Right. And so much of it is like, I mean, Elaine, you're doing the same thing now for Napa wines for wine enthusiasts. And it's so much like, I don't know, have you like get yourself in the right Zen and okay, like my palate's clean. The sun is beautifully on my laptop. Like we're in a good space. There's nothing going on. Like, do you have to get yourself in this, like this beautiful spot to do this and pay the, like the, the attention it deserves? Well, you definitely got it. Yeah, you definitely got to make the space in a certain sense and and decide that's what you're going to do. Like you're going to bring the seriousness it it deserves. But the pressure gets higher, you know, higher on that kind of 
the more precise you need to be with a reviewer recommendation. Matt was talking about this earlier in a uh, different conversation, just this idea, like if you're going to start saying this is a really good wine, you need to really be able to back that up. And it's like those wines you got to set aside to keep tasting over several days. So you can actually, you know, you can really explain and talk about, no, this wine really does merit. You know, it showed over four days, it just kept getting good. That's a wine that's going to age, right? Like you want to back that up. But just in terms of standard reviewing, you, there's a degree of self-awareness you want to have. There's a degree of kind of physical wellness, of course, that you want to have. You know, if you're too tired, it's that's going to start wearing on you. You can't be too emotional. Well, you think wines are better than they are or worse than they are? No, I think you. it's just hard. Because the, the process of reviewing wine is essentially translating a palate experience into language that someone you don't know can translate for themselves, yeah. right? The, that's a thinking process. And it's that's the part. If you're too tired, that's not going to work very well. When you find out that you're going to be doing this, you take on this this gig with wine enthusiasts for Napa wines, and everyone in Napa starts going, "Oh, now it's Elaine who's because you're very well respected in the game." Like, "Oh, it's Elaine." Do, do your phone ring? Like, "Oh, why don't you come out? We're going to have you at the house, <laughs> and like we're going to cook you some like lamb off the property, girl. It's going to be like, do people start like courting you? Is it gross? What is it like? <laughs> <laughs> is, it is it gross? Well, okay. or how do you keep it's it so de- it's not gross? I'm gonna. I'm I'm going to avoid stories about Napa. How about that? But I'll I'll tell you instead a charming story about Spain. So years ago, I was in uh, northwestern Spain, but inland mountains, pretty remote area. And it's like a part of the world. People don't just accidentally drive through and meet random growers in this area. So this man was hosting me. And it was a really big deal. I was like the first media person to go to the, some of the vineyards that we visited. And um, I realized like we're out in the mountains of northern Spain, he's wearing these gorgeous Italian leather shoes because he want he's like dressing up for me, I realize. Yeah. And then he's like, we've prepared a meal for you. And we get there and his wife has worked for three days making food. And then partway through the meal, my friend was there and he's, you know, we comment on how incredible the lamb was. And he says, oh, well, we killed our youngest for you three days ago. <laughs> wow. So that it could hang <laughs> to be ready. And then by the end of the day, he really, really liked us. And so he was trying to send us back to the States with the next youngest lamb. Uh, and we were like, no, we can't bring yeah. a, your lamb back to the U.S. And he's like, no, no, I'll prepare it. I'll wrap it really nice. And we're like, no, 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 it's illegal. Yeah. We are not allowed to bring the lamb back. I'm not going to be on an episode of Smugglers because of uh, the new lamb. But no, but I, that, but what a, they're just trying to like. In that case, it was all generosity. Yeah. Hosp- he was so, he was so excited that we cared, mm. that he wanted to demonstrate how much he cared. And that, like, that's really lovely and beautiful. You know, I mean, makes the wines even taste a little better, doesn't it? It just, it's, you know, I, it's five years later and I'm still telling you that story. Yeah. You know, that's pretty cool. It's very special. Yeah. Yeah. In in Napa, you could take the lamb. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah, That's exactly right. I'm going to have a whole new shed built. Right. (laughs) You can take a a whole, I heard. A whole word. Yeah, there you go. I actually, I I heard. I heard. I heard. It's so good. Chuck with the dad jokes. I love it. Um, you, uh, this the, the Alaskan culture is certainly interesting, and I tried to read more on it in preparation for you because I remember I had you again at HDR, but just meeting you, had you on for like a few minutes, and I just was even taken 
by you in our conversation in just in that time. So I was really looking forward to having you uh, here today. Um, philosophy, academia was your, was your thing. And it, you got into wine, but I love how you talk about wine because as someone with all everything upstairs that you got, you still find wine something that you can drive 100 miles an hour on and still not know all you want on. Yeah, I was actually like, um, I think I got into, philo- so I used to be a philosophy academic. When I got into that because... I was so driven to understand how the world works, like from birth, I've just been built that way. I just want to understand. I just want to know how things work. And, um, and the thing about philosophy was I knew I couldn't ever answer it, but I could learn it and I could study it and I could improve myself with it. And the lack of endpoint relieved this worry of understanding in a sense like I could keep working on understanding but I couldn't get attached to a finality or a, or a finish line or a perfection drive and at some point though philosophy became too singular it's all in the head right like you're just reading and thinking reading and thinking reading and thinking and I realized I like who the, who I am as a person I want to be outside I want to be engaging with people I want to be thinking with people I want to be tasting things I want to be drawing sometimes I want to be eating you know like this full well-rounded human experience is what I was wanting and I needed a way that I could kind of channel the philosophy into real life so to speak out of out of the classroom into real life and I was already in love with wine and I suddenly was like oh my god wine is uh is a physical version of that same process where you're never going to answer it but you can just keep learning it and you can keep trying to understand it and you can share it and and the frank truth is more people are going to be interested in sharing wine than philosophy (laughs) though i might trick them into some philosophy as we go through the glass you know so it it's sort of that same thing where i can take wine as seriously as i'm driven to take it but I don't have to make it serious all the time. It's How do you combine up. your love and, and like passion for philosophy in just like your normal conversations? Like we're sitting around a table here with a glass of wine. Like how does it just inherently manifest itself because it's, it's a lane? Well, so I mean the simple thing is that philosophy, when you're being trained in philosophy, that training process is all about clarity. It's my clarity of understanding. I need to listen clearly and I need to double check what I think I'm hearing to make sure I'm hearing correctly so that I know I understand you. But that, again, that self-awareness we were talking about with reviewing, that same process of knowing I'm listening clearly, that means I have to be aware of myself and listen to you and double check what I'm hearing. But then when I'm communicating, I need to try to be clear, right? So it's just clarity, clarity, clarity all the way down. And so when I'm hanging out with people, like that's just how I'm built now. I was trained to do that, right? But um, <clears throat> with with wine, you know, if, if a person's going to ask me a question like you just did, I'm going to kind of explore how far does he actually want to go in this Right, answer, so you're already right? thinking about the short. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, what were you thinking when I asked you the question about Napa and if these people, are, were you just like, okay, I'm going to feel this, well, no, but I'm not going to go right there. You, <laughs> you know exactly what I was thinking because I told you, I said, I'm not going to tell you right, stories yeah. about Napa. We're going to move to Spain because that's very far from what you asked me. Right, yeah. <laughs> but I still gave you a charming story. You did. You offered yeah. a very charming story. No, I totally get it. That's so cool. Um, Chuck, how did you first meet Elaine? On your birthday, I think, didn't we? Everything's always happening on his birthday. (laughs) No, I actually first met her via email. Um, You guys just met? 
Yeah, we yeah. just met yesterday. Oh That's gosh, why so I cool. say on his birthday. Oh, literally. We met oh, on his okay, birthday. cool. Yes. So um, they asked for a bio and a headshot. So I didn't know who she was, quite candidly. And, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm an island boy, you know. And, and so anyway, so I sent a headshot, and it was a picture of a monkey that I took in Cambodia. Oh, my so gosh. The, and my tagline was, outstanding in my field. <laughs> and then I, I accompanied the... the uh, uh, the little verbiage, and so then I, um, <clears throat> Amanda told me Chuck Elaine is on that thread. I said, "What do you mean?" That's okay. I'm the right person. To, and she goes, "I'm the right person to do that." Chuck, she's gonna think you're goofy or something like that. And I was like, "Why? Who's Elaine?" And she started explaining to me. Oh my and I was God. So that that was my introduction as normal. I mean, I'm not I'm not conventional by any means. No, not at all. That proves it. What did you think of that when you're like, "Oh, here's Chuck Furry." Okay. Did you know who I, he was before? Well, so I think we should step back and say who he is. I mean, the truth is, like, Chuck helped create a wine culture in Hawaii that didn't exist before. And he continues to help build and transform that culture and bring, you know, newer people into wine and has helped make Hawaii a destination for food and wine lovers. And that's, like... There's not a lot of parts of the world where you can point to one or two people and be like, they helped do that, right? And so, and Chuck helped do that for Hawaii. That's a really big deal. Thank but you. So, that's kind of you. Such a destination. I mean, that's, that's incredible. kind of her. No, yeah. But, but yeah, you know, so then to have him come here and want to be part of building a conversation in wine first through Wine Speak and now with Amanda through Dream Big Darling and help again support this upcoming generation of people in wine in this new way in a new for him region right like that there's a real generosity of spirit there that i think is admirable you were no, one of you. the initial master sommeliers i was in america uh, i was depending what, on who you talk something? to i was either number 10 or 11 two of us passed at the same time one guy's from the east coast fran casella casella perry fee and wine yeah. importers he's like kermit lynch and myself, so it depends on if you ask me or him who, whether we're 10 or 11. Well, Hawaii is an earlier time zone, so I'd say <laughs> that's, it was That's you. what I said. Yeah. <laughs> but here's the thing. So the thing for me that was really uh, heartwarming on this trip is that, um, you know, when I started coming to Paso, it was, uh, I was at a blind tasting in San Francisco first, and it was 19 Cabernets, and I, it was blind, and I was tasting through the wines, and was, there was a wine I sat there going, Jeez, man, this wine is pretty interesting. And so what I found out it was the 1988 Justin Isosceles back then. Mm. So in the early 90s, perhaps, late 80s. And so I, I just said, oh, so I always drove past Paso Robles, like Matt alluded to that today. And because I always thought too hot, there was radiation coming over here, radiation. Every time I drove by, I said, oh, they can't be growing good grapes here. So I never interested. But this Cabernet created this thing. And then the second in blind tasting, I, I was a invited to be a speaker at Hospice to Rome one year and <clears throat> there was all these Syrahs <clears throat> I think it was 27 and it was a blind tasting it wasn't part of Hospice to Rome but it was just a side little thing and there was one one Syrah it was like number seven or something I thought oh, man I gotta check this one out because I'm really into Syrah so that's the transition from Cabernet Sauvignon and it was I had to go see the vineyards the next day we drove and it was the uh, Glen Rose Vineyard mm. which is uh, so sparse i mean i don't know how the hell they grow stuff up there you know it's it's so but the wine was so interesting etc cetera, etc cetera. so i was in around the same time the assistant winemaker of justin was a young gentleman by the name of matt trevison so he and uh and his uh really good friend 
Justin Smith, a few years later, were going to launch their brand, Lina Coloto. And so um, I thought I told Justin Baldwin of Justin Vineyards that um, the future of this appellation to me is going to be Rhone varietals, right? And I just thought, oh, my gosh, the wine, the Syrah. It's hard to grow Grenache and Syrah, man, to make interesting wine. And I just thought, you know, and then, okay, so that's the, that's the beginning. And then to watch Matt and Justin Smith and then their, their entourage, their crew, whatever you want to call it, you know, Jordan, Fiorentini, and oh, Epic. Oh, she's my favorite, sure. You know, I mean, um, Booker, all these different things that, yeah. that uh, Justin helped to clear and plant and everything and watch all this stuff unfold and uh, blossom and et cetera, et cetera. And then to watch all the talent. When I first met Amanda Wichstrom Higgins when we before we created WineSpeak, she was this young lady that was bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, but didn't have a lot of confidence. The presentation, she I spent an hour last night talking to my wife about this lady that gave this incredible all-day thing for two different groups I that know. was just world-class to me. Yeah, she was, was like great. Oprah. She was like... <laughs> and so the point of the story is then to me to listen to um, Jordan Fiorentini talk today and listen to... Watch him, Matt Kedman, develop. It's just like for me as a parent, you're watching all this thing unfolding. It's like this sense of wonderment, like, oh, my gosh, look what's happening here. And then their disciples and their crews and watch everything just like, like this. It's incredible. It's an exciting time for Paso Robles. Yeah. You know, and then also now you're seeing more and more the emergence of the east side of Highway 101. Not that that's important. But you know some of the some of the uh, vineyards and everything they're getting all this notoriety. I mean, Saxon was one of the top-rated wines in the world a few years ago. It was on the cover of Wine Spectator, etc. And so there's all these things, and these wines are getting more and more hard to get, a little more pricey. So that brings in the segue and offering. Paso was always about value previous to that. Now you're seeing the east side emerge because they have all this marine soils. They have all this da-da-da-da, and they have the Templeton Gap winds, et cetera, et cetera. And so, you know, the Appalachian is coming to fruition. Yeah. Now, and On all levels. Yes. I mean, we're literally, we're sitting at a conference yes. table at the Ancient Peaks facility, another brand that is just, you know, yeah. I mean, they've got 14,000 acres, and they've just been delivering value for a long time. And, and, and uh, have the ability But here's to do the it. thing that's making it all connect. It's the people. I go back to the community, whether it's a doctor, it's an attorney, all these people that just chip in blindly to support the community with events like WineSpeak or Hospice to Rhone or whatever. And it's the leadership of people like Joel Peterson, you know, and uh, uh, Chris uh, Toronto, Toronto, Toronto etc. You know, and so you see all these facets. It's just like this watching this thing come to fruition and maturity it's really like filling out and it's really becoming you know and so and the, and what it's based upon after all is said and done so my son over there he signed me up for all these uh what do you call them facebook groups or something yeah just so i can understand what the people are saying and, and rather me being just mr wine geek and so the most by far of the wine groups the most active and the one th thing that's happening is the Paso Robles wine fanatics, and you know what I it's know. Ba you know what's based upon? Did you enjoy the wine? Yeah. Oh, I had this wine. It was good fun. Oh, the, no, ninety-eight points. No, da 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 da. It's just they all talk about man. I was over there and the dog was doing this, and it was just all about enjoyment and They've it adds to like the a, community. A little machine there. It's pretty oh, cool. My God. That's like why they, Paso Robles right yeah, now in California. Cool. 
It's happening. It's a com- it's a combination of all of the above. Yeah, they asked me to host one of their things for them, and it was like I've got all these kind of new followers. Like, I mean, like the pastor was wine fanatics. That's a and then you got and, and, and with because sure. of all of these things happening and things like Dream Bigs. Then you got the big wigs coming in here. Look at now this. you know, know. Where, where 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 they may have come before, but not. I mean, they're coming here to share their things. So you have outside talent coming in here. Yeah, it's and not giving just for, their their right. views and their their things. Ooh, this this Appalachian is exploding, and I just love watching all of this stuff. Matt, I mean, talk about that because you've seen it. I mean, you've been here for it, and you've been watching it. I mean, even just in like you know, since I've been doing this since like 2010, interviewing folks, like you look around, and you're like, oh my goodness. But not even just from the Central Coast. I mean, you obviously live in Santa Barbara, but you have seen this area specifically. I mean, I'll talk to folks who who know both areas, whether it's like a West Hagen or this or that, and like the and again, people, but this area. Of Paso is just in the last, like you could say, 10 years, six years. Like, it's crazy. So I got really lucky because when I was hired at Wine Enthusiast in 2014, they had just named Paso Robles the wine region of the year. In 13, right. I had nothing to do with it, <laughs> but I got all the love for it. Yeah. I was like, yes, you're welcome. You're welcome. You're welcome. Um, so that was great. That was great timing. But it was also well-deserved. Uh, and just to see, you know, I think there's a lot of history here, right? So... Zen was old school, and then there was a lot of cab for a while. Then the Rhone wave just exploded, and now there's a lot more influence being put back on cab again. And and just to see these waves of people gathering together to promote what they're doing and to focus, it seems even more and more so, to focus earnestly on making it better. Um, you know, I think probably early on in a region, you're just trying to get attention, to make good wines, to do that sort of thing. Um, but now you're at the point of maturation where it's starting to get, you know, they're really starting to focus on, well, how can we farm this better? What are the best standards, uh, best you know, practices for farming this kind of wine in this climate? And you're starting to see now... Um, which is probably a, a very good indication, although probably people have mixed pe- feelings about it. You see a lot of Napa people coming down oh, yeah. to Paso. And, I mean, and it's not a new thing because, like, I mean, for a while, like, Rosenblum, Ridge, I mean, people have been yeah, getting our Zen like, and Cab for a while. Yeah, but these are people that are leaving Napa, coming here, like setting Juan up Mercado shop. Like Juan Mercado. And, yeah, right, and they're setting and, up shop. Yeah. And they're saying, this is where we're going to... And they're not making value wines they're making extremely expensive wines right, yeah um but you know i think that's uh, you know a big a big indicator of how far the region has come both um just in audience acceptance people will pay that for paso wines right. but also in recognizing um the terroir here is fantastic especially when you start to get into the york mountain the really high elevation stuff the chalk rocks all over the place i mean it really does make a style of wine that's kind of not replicable in many places around. Yeah. So, Adam, I I talked about the community and all that they've done and all the different organizations and all the things that they've done, but I also have to give a shout out to the media, yourself especially, and also, um, you know, all that you guys do to promote the Appalachian for the right reasons in the right ways. I think that's a big thing about this Appalachian exploding and it's continuing. Then, as an example, with WineSpeak, we're in nothing. It's just two people just like da, da, da. Matt just jumped in, just jumped in and just like, what do you guys need from me? You know, just just like the community. It was just like this crazy thing. I don't have to chase anybody. Yeah. You know, he, he came and said, what do you need from me? I don't even know him. Yeah. And and so I, that's why I have an attachment to it. Every time I see him, I said, thank I'm thankful yeah. for my friendship with him. Right. And so this trip, it's her. 
you know, Elaine. And so I don't know her. And I sent her this picture of a monkey. So I made a horse's ass <laughs> of myself. And then she's showing me respect and all that stuff, you know. And I made a new friend, you know. And she's part of the explosion of this Appalachian and the continued emergence of this Appalachian. It's the you guys that need to be thanked as well. I'm not saying that because you guys are all here. I'm just telling you the truth. It's the community just to answer everybody's question. It's the community. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. it's the terroir, but it's also it's everybody just jumping in unsolicited, un whatever, and just. Let's go. Yeah. What do you need to happen? You know, it's funny because if it weren't for that community, I mean, I just literally took my love. I've loved broadcasting since I was a sperm. I love radio and love broadcasting. And I took that love and, you know, kind of merged it with my, at that time, a new love for wine. And if the community didn't have like open arms and open cellars and it was an open book, then, you know, what I did in all my broadcasts for the, since 2010, what, they'd never have happened. And it wouldn't have paved the way for doing stuff like with this show and Joel and Paso Wine. I mean, the community is key. I, I think that is, but also the key people jumped in at the right time. Mm. So the whole reality I learned yesterday was at the, at the seminars yesterday, there was a guy that was Navy SEALs. Yeah. And there was a person that was the basketball coach, right. the storied basketball coach. From, and what I learned from these people listening yesterday was the structuring of teamwork and the structuring of a pod of people, you know, and like-minded. And so... When the guy from the Navy SEAL says, take that person out, you don't say how, why, what do you want me to do? What time do you want me? You just do it. Because yeah. you're like-minded, right? And it's the same thing with the basketball coach. The way he coaches is whether you're the 12th player on the team or you're the, the top nine, you know what your tasks are. He doesn't have to sit there and explain every hows and whys. You're like-minded. Things happen. And so that very became very clear to me yesterday that that's Amanda totally. Yeah. So I had no idea what I was going to do when I landed here. I had no idea when to come or what. She, she says she kept telling me. but it, And so her mindset, same thing with Cully filming and everything, we had no idea what we we're doing, right? So because we're all like-minded, <clears throat> she just expects us to just jump in and whatever, whatever. And now it's the same with all of you, you know, everybody at this table. So it's this thing that I always try to preach and that's what was the foundation of WineSpeak is that when you create uh, camaraderie and synergy and, and, you, and you look to collaborate, everybody just jump in. Let's help. Let's get things done. That's how you have explosions like this and a very unique situation like this. I'm not going to mention other appellations, but they don't have that. They don't have this kind of collective... Uh, synergy and collaboration that everybody just jumps in to help whether I agree with you 100% or you right. or you or you it doesn't matter this is what I'm going to do well yeah. Adam you and Matt I think are great examples though of people like honing in on the skills and talents you have and bringing them to the right place at the right time and being re well received in a way that grows because like Adam you're a great interviewer you're really fun exactly. to be on the mic with but you're yes. also like really good at linking up the story and exactly. making it all work. And, you know, I, I saw that with you the first time we met and you interviewed me. It was very quick. But I was like, oh, that was cool. He, he's going to be good. He, you know, and here we are. Totally new show. You're, I know. And you're killing it, by the way. Oh, like your audience is incredible. People are really supporting you from the listener side. Yeah. But like you said, people want to be on the show because there's there's an engagement that you're bringing. But also delivering to your listeners this human element the storytelling the like why it matters and some a few things to think about but let's also have fun yeah you know and matt too you know i've told uh matt this um 
in public at a dinner and I very proudly made him cry, I'm going to say. <laughs> yeah. But like, no, seriously, Matt has been, I really think at the forefront of being embedded in the Central Coast, writing about what's happening here for a very long time now. And I have to give him credit for being really the first to do that in a way that helped bring, just like Chuck's saying, help bring others here and realize, oh shit, I got to get to know the wines and what's happening in the Central Coast. Because you were writing stories that are compelling in a way that pe- make people realize, Absolutely. I have to see that. I need to taste that. But Absolutely. not even just just the readers of his outlet. No, but, but other re- other writers, oh, too. Other writers, too. Right, that's yeah. huge. Yeah. No, Matt, that's got to feel great to hear. I that, can see why you teared up before. Yeah. So this increasing... Please tear up for me now. I want I'm, to... I'm a little teary. <laughs> I was much more drunk at that. Other <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yeah. but, but it's like what Chuck's describing, though. The work that Matt has very sincerely done... Mm-hmm has helped increase the interest not just in buyers and consumer you know consumers of different sorts but other storytellers other wine people that have helped expand it I'm so, so interested. No, go ahead Adam I also want to add to this this thing so I'm listening to you today you know and and every you know how many interviews and TV and radio things I do in the course of a year I'm not trying to brag but it's it's you know it's okay and all all the time especially for charities and stuff the personality comes on and they're handed a sheet five minutes before yeah, I go yeah, on the yeah. thing and they read the thing and they just know the, the, the date of the event, the time of the event, and that's it. They have no reason understanding why you're there. So they're reading this thing and they're saying, yeah, it's April 27th and hey, who you got coming? You know, they just try to make it happening, right? And so it's very obvious when you were talking to her how much research you've done and and, 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 and understanding what she provides to this the kind and Matt, you're the same way. I wouldn't have known about Thatcher and some of these guys, but because you won over my, um, <clears throat> I mean, I'm not trying to say I'm somebody, but you you perked my interest because of uh, how much depth I saw and wh- why and how you were telling all of us, you know. And I, I took interest. I thought I knew a lot about Paso Robles, but you wrote about this thing and. You, I respect you so much. I just, I, I started checking them out. So yeah. you guys have set the template for that, I think. And other regions don't have that. Yeah, I love where it's like that game recognized game because obviously you guys are writers and Paso for a long time has deserved this this stage. And here Matt comes in a long time ago and it's like starting to slowly give it that gravitas, at least in writing, so people can understand it. Especially people, you know, like like you, Elaine, like you, Chuck. I'm curious because you guys are all presenters. I've seen you all present in some way or another. And because I do this too, I want to pick your brain on that forefront. Because I remember, Elaine, when I first talked to you, uh, HDR, I was just really taken by the way you just were very captivating. You're very passionate, also very educated on what you were talking about. When Great. You, yeah, absolutely. When you are, is it just, when you are like preparing for something, is it like you just, okay, I'm just going to be myself? Or are you trying to say like, hey, this is what I want them to get out of it? How do you kind of like, from the inside of your head, piece together how you're going to be once you are presenting and being out there for folks? Well, so the, since you referenced the seminar at HDR, you know, that was a panel situation, I think we had five winemakers or wine people and I myself as moderator so there's six of us up there and you know I was like given this task of of making the rocks district in Walla Walla understandable for an audience of several hundred people in an hour with five people to manage, right? Right, right. Plus, let's be real, Christoph Barone was, was in the room. I was going to say, wasn't Christoph. And so it's, you know, he's not on the panel, but he's in the room. That means I got to manage him too, okay? Yeah. And so, um, 
And so when I'm walking into that situation, you know, Vicky calls me up and she's like, I'd really like you to moderate a session. I'm like, okay, cool. What's, you know, which session? She's like, yeah, I think the Rocks District. I'm like, okay, great. I know it really well. But when is this? Okay, I got eight months. So then I call up the Rocks District and I'm like, hey, I know I've already been here, but this is a big deal for you. So I think we should really kill it. I think we need to be on it. When can I come up? I so I, you know, so to That's prepare great. for that seminar, I flew up and I did a 10-day trip on wow. top of having been there multiple times already. Did, you know, we set it up so I did comprehensive tastings, um, interviewed some of the key kind of historic founders of the region, started based on the comprehensive tastings and the fact that we only had an hour. I was like, look, the only way to deliver something clear is to pick a focus rather than to cover everything. Mm-hmm. And so I had to convince the region that the right thing to do was to only show Syrah. Because I agree with Chuck. I think one of the best things that Pacific Northwest is doing is Syrah. And, um, and I said, look, I know you want to show Vignet. I know you want to show other things. But if we show Syrah and show how fantastic it is from this region, and we talk about the Syrah in a way that opens up a bigger picture about how great these other varieties can be, they're going to go hunt down your Viognier yeah. and your Grenache. I promise you. If we if we deliver an excellent seminar on Syrah, they are going to go find your other ones. And they bought it. They like they were and, into it. Yeah. So then so once I convinced them of that, then I had to hone in on the um on the wines. So they let me pick the wines. And I decided that I wanted a range, you know, I came up with parameters. We want a range of styles, parts of the Rocks district. Um, but also something to take away. So we set it up so we had uh, three wine horizontal from one vineyard. So three different styles from the same vineyard um, to give a sense of now we can talk about the difference between winemaker decision and place. Then we also had three different wines which were from three different parts of the region. So now you can see the broader place. And so I kind of played with those themes of kind of style, place, and diversity of place. And then I did a pre-interview one-on-one with each of the panelists. And this is all for what is going for an to, hour. For an hour. <laughs> for an hour. Do you dive into everything like this? Well, yeah. So it's a problem. So anyway, the, uh, <laughs> um, you could so have written a book, a book based on the ten-day trip. Of, <laughs> once right? I did this, though, then it's like all in my head, and I'm like walking around with all this stuff in my head, like working with it in my head. And then I, I need them to feel good. Is I that need, a blessing or a curse? That part of you. Well, by now, it's just how it works. Yeah. You know, like I've learned how to work with myself, yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah. But so then at, then I send out an email to the group, and I'm like, these are the key themes and the key points that came up as a group and as, with each of you. And so this is how the order I'm going to bring them up in. But I'm letting you know this now, so you know what you want to be prepared to talk about. But when we get there, don't worry about any of it. All of it's on me. I'm going to manage the time. I'm going to prompt you with the questions if any of you aren't talking enough i'll keep get prompting you if you're talking too much i'll tease you just enough to quiet you down like you don't have to worry if the audience starts acting up i'll manage them i'm the moderator wow i'm driving this bus my job is to make you look awesome yes you know and so then once i so i do all that prep work because it's all in my head and i and that means i can go on stage knowing i've covered it I right. more than covered yeah. it. I got all everything I need and I've got my crew and the most important thing is they know I've done all that work. So they're not worried. They trust me. Yeah. 
And so now I can just make it happen. Yeah. You know? And so once I'm up there, I I have all this stuff mapped out, but I kind of let it go because then my job is to make it so compelling that the audience can't forget it. Right. Because, That's so good. Because we, it's an hour of our lives. Why would we waste each other's time? I want them to walk out of there so in love with those wines, those people in that place that they can't help themselves. Yeah. Yeah. That's wild. That's incredible. So you as know, a dedication. flip side to that, the thing when we did with Wine Speak, we wanted to focus on the new world and we wanted to focus someone from inside the Appalachian and someone from the outside of the Appalachian. They don't know each other. But hopefully we see sparks fly because you can tell me this, 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 what you do. And she can tell me this, this of what they do. The truth lies somewhere in between. So I can read what you're going to say. I can read what you're going to say. But when you see the sparks flying, so you want some type of thing. And then when you add to that dynamic personalities like Stefan Aseo, you know, he has some strong opinions, right? And he's, you know, he's a character, right? And then... Opposite that, so he specializes in blends, and opposite that, you have this blue blood, nicely dressed, handsome, dashing, suave, master sommelier, Emmanuel Kumiji, and he has a, a, a winery in Priorat, who also does blends with all these. So you have these two things coming at each other, and you want sparks to fly, and so you're sitting there, you get, get prepared, you know, because you can prepare all this information and everything, but these two people don't know each other. They're not going to, you don't know if they're going to be polite or whatever. <laughs> and then the funny thing about a, a situation like that is you have to remind everybody, we're here so people learn. We're not, we're, I'm not here to see what you have to say or you. Just, let's, let's be on the same table so that we can affect change. Yeah. We can create camaraderie. We can, we, we can create positive from collaboration. Well, as it turned out, the two guys were tasting wines all morning. So by the time they showed up for their 11 o'clock thing, they were stone drunk. <laughs> oh, my God. And it was no. hilarious. Oh, you know, it was so good fun. But, I mean, the whole point of that, you also have to factor in, like, if you're dealing with people that know each other. Right. Yeah. But... At the same time, if you want some real interesting stuff to come out, you know, to, to do bring Thomas Brown from the Napa Valley, who's, you know, has probably had, had more 100-point wines than anybody, and then who do you do with Cabernet from this area? You know what I'm saying? Sure. you got to find... Yeah. You know, you gotta I hosted find. a wine dinner one time with um, Russell Fromm. I found out that Russell Fromm used to sleep on Paul Lotto's couch. Oh, yeah. Or it might have been the other way around, actually. I think Paul... Paul oh, Lotto slept in his own car and on everybody's couch. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's so what I, I was that's then, yeah. how it was. Yeah. Sorry, Russell. But anyways, he did this, this, this dinner with him at Ember, and it was just like these two totally different people but have this like you know where their paths their passion is is so similar though yeah Yeah. so it was so neat now matt when you did i recently saw you you let a wonderful i do exactly what elaine does i was gonna say (laughs) did you stay did you did you do a 10-day cap no no excursion no i mean for me it's always the audience right like is is the audience um consumers that are like kind of interested in wine or, or obviously they're interested in wine at the thing but are they like super savvy are they not savvy Hospice Tyrone I, I did a panel there that was probably one of the more nerve wracking ones because sure. it, it's a big room first of all and and they're interested like they're paying and they a good know, amount they of money know and they know what's wine and I had Chris Hamill on my panel oh that's, um, that's another was, unruly one like crazy oh yeah. so good I've never He's seen great. this one yeah you, it was you, nuts because you also had Chris pa- you had, I had Chris Russell Jordan, from uh, Russell and um, and Trey Fletcher so yeah uh, it was, and Chris is awesome, but 
kind of crazy, you yeah. know, and, and, and it was all just the going best ways. Off. Yeah. Um, but so that one had to be like both very like uh, I, I tend to interview everyone beforehand, at least touch base with people. Um, but sometimes you do panels and it's really. Uh, it's just a simple panel. There's three people up there. You don't really have to prepare a whole lot. You're just talking for 30 minutes. And mm-hmm. so that, in those ones, I, I factor in the entertainment value as much as the information. You know, I'm always trying to blend entertainment and information because I think people are there to have a good time yeah, yeah. and learn. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll say Elaine's panels are kind of do the best of both worlds where they're definitely engaging, entertaining, but also you're coming away feel like you got some good nutrients in there too. Yeah. I've been to other – there's plenty of panels I've been to where the moderator is just all nutrient. And you're like, it's too you can't even swallow too it. Too heavy. Just like, I mean, oh, it's too heavy. Jesus. Let me be clear that I am an, I was trained as an academic. I'm very used to sitting through incredibly dry material. I was in philosophy, for God's sakes. <laughs> but if I go to a seminar like that, where the moderator is all information, I want to die. Yeah. You know, yeah. like that's not the way to go. No, that's, it should be, it should be fun. Yeah. And like t- today we did one for the Dream Big Darling. And before I'm talking to Chuck, I'm like, what are we doing on this thing? He's like, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> we just kind of figured it out as we went, you know, and some of that's just experience and some of it's reading the room. And right. some of it is just that we're asked to be panelists because we do have a background that we can kind of refer to based on any question they, they And I want. feel like I've seen you in all different kinds. I mean, like Cab Franc was a certain kind of, yeah. it was educational, but it was also informal. Kind of a mix, yeah. Yeah, but also like I've seen you at World of Pinot Noir. Yeah, which you is know, more technical. You know, sure. And like, or I mean, I think the first one I ever saw you do was years ago, was old Sideways panel. Mm-hmm. It was, yeah. you know, with like the dude from... I've done so many, I can't even remember. I know, you probably, way. I mean, it's probably like, <laughs> do, what, do you just get asked like all the time? Is it? Um, no, it's not all the time. I think, um, I mean, it's, it's numerous times a year. Here's you know? a funny story. I've yeah. never told you this. Yeah. I might have off the air, but who knows? So I get asked to do this panel, and I'm uh, part of my joking when people ask me to host one is I go, is Matt, is Matt Kevin busy or something? <laughs> you know, so, um, so they asked me to do this panel. It was with Slow Coast Wine. And um, I'm talking to the event organizer, and then all of a sudden, like, we didn't quite nail out all the, the details, but the, you know what? We actually, they're moving in a different direction. Don't even sweat it. I'm like, oh, cool. So I take it off my calendar. And then I find out it was like, oh, Matt, Matt Ketman's doing it. Uh, oh, they finally got Matt Ketman. <laughs> they got Matt Ketman. But look, I mean, it's like, shoot, it's freaking Matt Ketman. I mean, I don't, you know, I get it. I get it, right? I mean, yeah. like, you know, so. I but mean, I this is an interesting component that probably doesn't get talked about a lot is that, uh, and I used to do all, all these panels for free, right? You know, yeah. and then at some point, other writers came to me and were like, hey, not necessarily from this area, but from other parts of the world that had worked at Wine Thieves and like, hey, do you do these things for free or you should be getting paid? You know, and I was like, oh, I should be getting paid. So now, like, getting paid is generally part of it. Oh, you know, sure. Because yeah. it's my time and everything, you know. Yeah. So that's, that becomes uh, an interesting, I don't have like a standard fee. It becomes a bit of a dance, you know. And, and I'm, I'm usually like, look, I don't really care that much, but I feel like I should be getting paid something. Yeah, no, totally. It's not like we're going to like, you know, sit here, go talk to my agent yeah, and, and right. negotiate this out. But no, I think But people time, make their living doing it too. And I don't want to undercut people to do that. No, absolutely. No, you don't want to like soften the market, you know. So nope. you, don't, you don't take anything? Probably not. I, I don't. He's so and, rich. No, exactly. <laughs> Ask him. He's always bugging me that I, I never give him any money. Yeah. No, it's just that, um, you know, like I consult for a lot of different things. Some will accept money and a lot I won't, you know, and it's the reason that I don't accept money in, in most cases is. Um, you're, making us look, be, you're making us look bad though, Chuck. No, but I don't want to be. I don't want to be told what to say or what to do. Oh, right. Okay. You know, I, like you I, feel I like you're going to be, quote, bought if you accept money for Possibly. Time? There could be expectations. I don't want expectations. I want to be able to say what I really believe and what, what I do. So I was writing for the newspaper in Honolulu for all those years, 20-something years. I wouldn't accept payment. <sighs> 
And then the whole deal from about the writing, it, the whole whole deal about it oh. was just that I don't want to be told what That's wines right. to. to <laughs> yeah. And so and so 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 then all my peers are they Chuck, pay me to Chuck. tell them what wines like you know like that's part of the job yeah. it's like my opinion wow. is part of what they're paying for for sure okay. you know yeah you see look, look at him he's going yeah yeah i know yeah. i'm this here to help son. your son okay yeah. let me fully disclose <laughs> so i recently got asked and you know i've been doing radio for a long time but doing the thing in the front of people's stuff i do get nervous you guys all get nervous or no oh my god every time do you yeah okay. no i mean i literally i gave 120 some talks last year yeah i in like 15 countries okay i mean like i, I do this a lot a lot um but I still get nervous every time. Nervous record before and everyone. actually, if I'm not nervous, I get worried about that. Sure. Because what I learned a long time ago, before I even started public speaking, but what I learned a long time ago was that nerves are part of getting ready. Mm. And if it's me getting my energy wound up, because you need more energy when you're on stage or in front of a crowd. Yes. Right? You, you need more energy to speak to people in a group than you do when you're just chilling by yourself. Do you look at people or you just look at light or what? No, no, no. I look at people. You look at people. Good. But I think of I think of the group as something like one-on-one people uh, with a person. Yeah. So I'm still, I'm there to tune into how they're receiving what I'm saying and talking about, how it's going. I like, I'm, and, and so that, so I just, it's like, and I advise people with this about writing too. Look, look. If you're nervous about what you're writing, focus on, focus, focus on the task at hand. Topic, sentence, paragraph, <laughs> concluding sentence. Like, you know, shift your focus. Fundamentals. So if you're, yeah, exactly. If you're getting ready to do public speaking and you're scared, that's a good sign. That means you care, and that's most of what you need to do a good job is care, right? So once you've got that. Now get up there and focus on the fundamentals. Give yourself three tips that you're going to deliver. And that gives you a different thing to focus on than your fear. Mm-hmm. You know? That's just, good. You get nervous, Matt Catman? I, I, you don't act like it. You're like I the chillest dude. I, it, it depends on the number of people. Like around 150 plus, I start to get a little nervous, but not really. I mean, no, not really anymore. I yeah, used to, for sure. Uh, I got asked to, um, today on the way up because I'm no good. I was uh, I was asked to do a TEDx talk oh, nice. for Cal Poly in April. It's for like twelve hundred people. Yeah, that's a lot. I wouldn't. I'd get nervous. I'm gonna. I'm not, I'm not gonna say no. <laughs> yeah. Because I don't want to like pass up an opportunity like that. I can't even believe I was even like I can't believe they even asked me. But now I'm like it's on. Deter- it's on determination. It's the theme. I have no idea. So great. I think it's so great. Do you have teleprompters or how do you? I don't even know. I was like, do you do PowerPoint? Like, I'm just like, I'm Googling like, you know, TED Talks. Is my, it's a TEDx. So it's like, it's done at Cal Poly, but it's going to be, I'm like, whoa. The more produced it is, the more nervous I get too. So every oh, year when I point. do the Wine Star Slides Awards, in. which I'm actually going to this year, but not having to present an award for mm-hmm. the first time. But when I present awards there, I get nervous because there's, well, there's 800 people, a thousand people in the room. Yeah. And then you're using like presidential teleprompter sure and you're in a tuxedo and the lights are on your face and you only have 30 seconds or whatever and so that is a bit nerve-wracking of course see for me it's not about the number of people anymore um it's more like if i know there's someone there that i'm like oh crap like you know like they could do this like how the heck am i supposed to talk about this when they already know they could do this Oh sure, you know it was like me today with Elaine in the crowd. I was like, oh, "That's tough, right?" Yeah. Up here and do this. <laughs> you know, or, or someone I, for whatever reason, especially care about. Um, I'll, I'm gonna 
this will sound like bragging, but it's just the truth. So la this last year, I gave a hour and a half seminar with the U.S. ambassador sitting front center in front of me. Wow. And I was like, how is this happening? You know, yeah. And, um, <laughs> and yeah, and it's like, oh, my God. Yeah, you know, I'm talking about California wine. And there's a U.S. ambassador there to hear how I'm talking mm. about California wine. And I had to be like, really avoid thoughts of the government is watching me because the government <laughs> yeah, right. was it's literally watching, watching me. <laughs> you know, so yeah, I was You do a lot with the California Wine Institute? I have, yeah. Because well, I've, I've seen videos when I was like YouTubing you and just seeing different things you did. You were also very active during the pandemic. Well, so that was, that was luck. I like, because I, by the time the pandemic started, I had already done a lot of work to get decent at doing seminars and panels and interviewing people and stuff like that. And the Wine Institute had worked with me, so knew that and had seen, you know, seen my work and I had a decent relationship with some of the people there. And the pandemic hit and... Um, you know, everybody knows all programming shut down. I, I had, I lost more than a hundred speaking gigs <sighs> overnight wow. and, um, and had no idea how I was going to make a living. It was terrifying. But, um, about a week in to shut down, someone from the California Wine Institute called and they said, we have this idea. We've been doing our meetings, um, on this thing called zoom <laughs> and we think we could do it as seminars and I was like, well, who's going to watch that? And they were like, well, we think the the world, the yeah. world might watch that. <laughs> and, I was, and, and I was like, wow. But there was, you got to remember, this is, you know, March 2020. And it was not done yet, right? It's brand Pe new. Yeah. Two people weeks were not spread. doing webinars in yeah, this way. No, and, right. and, um, and I was like, well, what do you want me to do? And they were like, well, we don't know. That's why we want you to figure that out. So, but we're going to test it. So we're going to hire you to do four for the month of April, one a week for the month of April. And you can do anything you want that you think will work in an hour on California wine. And I was like, oh my God, this is crazy. And I was like, okay, but if I'm going to pull off the idea side, I need some a producer partner. And they're like, cool, we got you. It's yeah. fine. Okay, cool. So two of us, Katie Canfield and I got together and we were like, okay, it's April, April's Earth Month. I want to focus on growers who are also people that are as committed to the vineyard as the wine. I saw your chat with Jason Haas. Yeah, exactly. So, so Jason was one of the first people I called, you know, I just did super fun, easy, smart dude to talk to. Well, and the other thing we did that month that I'm really proud of is I, I, in the midst of it, I was like, wine is so about community. Like we've been talking about already. And so every single, um, most of the episodes, what we ended up doing was we'd have a main person I was interviewing one, you know, one-on-one -on -one for like 30 minutes, 45 minutes. But then I'd get them to start talking about who influenced them, who inspired them. Ooh, that's cool. And then we'd bring that person in and they'd become oh, part damn. of it too. That's and that was cool. that was really fun. And it was actually one of the things that a lot of people said they were most excited about. They loved that moment when because suddenly it was like the energy on the screen switched and there'd be these totally different sorts of Plot stories. Twist. Yeah, and in the cool. Jason episode, um, uh, you know, Bob from Coupe, uh, Bob Lindquist came on. Legend. Absolute legend. But here's what's cool. They've known each other their whole lives. And in the middle of it, Bob starts telling Jason stories about Jason's dad that he didn't even know. Stop it. No, and like how, you know, stories about Whoa. how they found the Tablas site. We're talking about Bob Haas, another yeah. legend. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And um, 
you know, so Bob Lindquist is telling stories about Bob Haas and how they found the Tabla site and go where they w got the tacos that day and all this stuff that Jason Haas didn't even know right there live on screen. And it actually very proudly led to um, Jason starting his Instagram interview series. He had so much fun doing that interview, third week of March 2020, or of April rather, that he, he was like, man, I, I think I could do this too. And yeah. he started doing um, interviews. And that... that um, that series was one of the first in the world. It was 67 Pall Mall. And my um, series for California Wine Institute were the first wine webinars to start up in the pandemic. And we ended up doing 32 episodes, one a week cool. for 32 weeks, which is like three times longer than a standard television season. We were just getting creative. Oh, this has been so much fun. Thank you. Chuck Faruya, hmm. Elaine, Matt. Look at this. All, the, all around one table. This is so I, cool I, that you guys are in town. I mean, last time you were in town was probably what Wine Speak was it years ago? No, no, no. You come I back. was here. I was here very recently. Oh, good. So uh, it, he's filming all these drone things now. So we, we we try to go to all these different places now. So it's he's a sommelier at the Halikwani. So oh, awesome. So he's studying and doing all these things, but I can't help him with academics. And I'm not too smart. But what I did, what I can do is walk vineyards with him, and so he can see what I see. Taste grapes. We usually go at the end of harvest or somewhere during the harvest, and then we can taste freshly fermenting wine, finished wine, aged wines, etc. With the principles, so you know he gets to meet Jean Louis Chab or Olivia Klapp or all these other, you know all these different people, Daniel Ravier, Tampier. You know, I mean, so he can learn what good wine is today, yeah. and then have something to measure others by moving forward. You know, it's so interesting how the three of you here all do your different, you know, you're a master psalm. Um, so that obviously you must have tasted a, a trillion wines. Obviously, Matt and Elaine have tasted a trillion wines. Do you guys approach it differently? Like, Matt, like, obviously when you, I mean, I don't know how much, like, wine education, I don't know if necessarily everyone needs to be a master psalm, but when you approach your wine, I mean, I was talking to you, Justin Smith was saying one time, he's like, you know, like, the amount of wine, Adam, that you've tasted just doing the, these interviews. You take, like, and it's so true. It's like I never even think of it like that. But, I mean, imagine, Matt, it's just the, the amount of tasting so much in and of itself becomes an education. Yeah, I have no formal wine education whatsoever. <laughs> I mean, I, I uh, learned tasting with winemakers. That's how I learned was hanging out with winemakers and hanging out in vineyards. Uh, and then just tasting, especially with wine enthusiasts, just tasting 200 or 300 wines a month. I just did a tally for – my Man. newsletter, and I tasted 2,820 wines last year. Well, I should say I reviewed 2,820 wines. I probably tasted another oh, sure. 500 Five to 1,000 yeah. or more, you know, um, just in at restaurants or going out or at other events. And, and so you just learn doing that, you know. Yeah. Um, and there's no right or wrong way, you know, as long as you can, at least in my position, as long as you can convey what you think about the wine and um, – and that's that's the job in, in that. I don't have to sell the wine, which is great. How do you not let what, like, Elaine, what you know about wine get in the way of this new taste, this new presentation running post across your palate at that moment? It's like what I, okay, so I have a kid, 24 now. And when I was raising my kid, I was like, okay, look, you're about to taste a new food. The first taste, you have no idea what you think because it's new. All you know is you're being confronted by something you don't understand. You the rules are you always taste something twice, but hmm. you taste it once. You're, so you deal with your the confrontation of surprise, and you take a break, pause, get your shit together, and then when you're ready, you taste it again. And that time, you pay attention to what you think about it. And I think with wine, it's similar. You've got to be open enough to taste it again. 
and recognize that the first time you, you're too surprised to know what you think. You're not supposed to know what you think yet. And so always taste it again. And I think, you know, I, I didn't do formal wine education either. I've like checked out how they're, how, you know, how the court's grid works, how the Institute's grid works, you know, how WSCT does theirs, I, to, see, to make sure I understand how they're doing that stuff. But I think it's really important for newer wine people to know you don't have to do formalized education to be serious. I think it's really valuable for the right people to do something like what Chuck has done. And actually, in the time Chuck did the Master Sommelier, it was crucial he did that because that became part of his influence in the power of changing culture. Sure. But I think it's important for people to remember, you know, people like Matt and I, we chose not to do it that way. And you can build a successful, even influential, insightful career in the right path for you if you're recognizing what your skills and talents are and you're bringing those to the right place, right? But, but you know, someone, people like Matt and I, notice he just talked about, he still treated it seriously. He still learned with people. He you know, went to winemakers, like I, a lot of what I, what I learned about wine came from walking vineyards with, with viticulturists and growers, tasting, doing barrel tasting, verticals, you know, old, old vintages, brand new, unfinished, all the whole range with winemakers, and then going and finding sommeliers and tasting the same wines with them. And then working out for myself, okay, what's the difference here? Why is it different? What's going on? How do, where am I in the middle of that? And just like taking it seriously. Right. Um, but then there are times where it's like, fuck, I just want a glass of wine. And right. We're, you know, okay, let's, yeah. just, let's just drink a glass of wine. Yeah. You know, um, but yeah, I just think it's important for people to remember you can build a successful career in wine without having to have certifications too. If I can just jump in from my perspective on that whole conversation. Uh, I had no plans of taking the master's on the exam. So in the old days, it was only in England and you were apprenticed with the master's only. And then he, back then was only he, spoke on your behalf and you were allowed to take the examination. I would never have gone to England. I would never have thought I knew enough, et cetera, et cetera. So you have to understand, I'm not one of those guys that is academic or anything like that. So uh, to me, uh, the, you apprenticed with the master's only, so you learned your craft working side by side with a wise person, you know? So it's like being a carpenter, it's like being a plumber. It's not elitist, it's just something that you do. The OG of Master Sommeliers for me back then was from England. He was a teacher by day. And then at, on the weekends, he worked as a butler. He took pride in working as a butler. So it was a service thing, it was a hospitality thing. It was something, it was a craft that you learned. So just by chance in the late 80s, I'm really bad at dates, but in the 80s, I, I think it was 86, it might have been 87, for the first time ever, they had the Master Sommelier exam outside of England, right? It was only offered in England before that. It was outside of England. It was held at the Monterey Wine Festival in California, and it was sponsored by the National Restaurant Association. And so that was the only year that was by invitation only. So 16 Americans were invited. I happen to be one of 16. It's not like I would have gone and taken this thing. It's not like I studied or anything like that. I, I was opening a hotel with, for the Holly Kalani. And so I was knee deep in work. I wasn't getting any sleep. And so I went to California uh, a week and a half early and I stayed with my best friend, Nuncio Alioto, who's like an older brother to me. And we are peas in a pod. And he passed a year or two before me. And he was chairman of 
the court of mass sommeliers worldwide for a long time. So he's a legendary sommelier in his own right. And so the two of us just, we just fell into it. It's not like I planned anything. And back then on the professional level, on the uh, awards and all that stuff, uh, the gold medals and all that stuff circuit, uh, the, the, the wine community was relatively small. And understand Nuncio was also had a restaurant in Hawaii. And back then <clears throat> he opened uh, in Hawaii in the 70s with an all California wine list. Back then, you couldn't give a California bottle of California wine away in Hawaii. And on the list, we had the 73 Montalena Chardonnay, the 74 Montalena wow. Chardonnay, the 73, 74 stacks. So in other words, the wines that won the Paris Wine Exhibition, this is before all that stuff. And so the whole point I'm trying to say is that I, I learned from him. He was my teacher. He was my sensei. I wouldn't be anywhere near where I am today if it wasn't for him. So it's something I fell in, but I learned it. Like from the trenches, like starting off as a dishwasher. Same with restaurants. I was a busboy for all. The, I I didn't go to school. I didn't. Da, 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 I just, you know, I just came up the hard way. I mean, yeah. not the hard way, but just the no, old-fashioned way. Yeah. And so that's what I'm routed in. You know, I I don't know any better. You know. Yeah. I love it. I love this conversation. Um, so I want to go around and just let people know how they can get a hold of you, Chuck Faruya, uh, Master Sommelier, Chuck Faruya Uncorked. Yes. Yeah. That way you can get in touch with Cully, and nice. then because that's his thing, and then and then we can communicate. Did you? Uh, I want to see some of his drone footage. You were talking about that earlier. Really, yeah, fun. if you go to Cully, uh, K A L E Furuya, one word, F U R U Y A, you can see some of the drone footage he shot in Conjuru and oh, in Koroti, oh, cool. uh, 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 San Joseph, and and whatnot. It's really good. They don't They're trip short on reels. You the drone up. They don't trip, or you just do it. They're I, short reels. Yeah, They're yeah, not, yeah. Sometimes I just kind of ask has for his forgiveness music on permission. side. It's just funny because um, being an old old hoot or coot or whatever you know to see fresh eyes and a fresh look and make it a little more entertaining oh, a little more so cool. hip for his generation I'm just learning a lot because of that I think yeah. it's really cool I took my drone to like Zihuatanejo and I'm just like waiting for someone to come to the house we're at just like you know with guns please <laughs> like I'm googling is this even legal like you know but it, it was okay um, Elaine Chukan Brown am I saying your last name correctly yeah Chukan yes. Chukan yeah Elaine I always Chukan. say it's um, you know one of the greatest musicians of the 70s to today is Chuka Chukka, no, I'm Chuck. <laughs> and Elaine, don't call yeah. on me. Don't call on me, Mr. Ropa. <laughs> so, yeah, um, Chukka Khan, Chukan. Yeah. Said the same way minus the extra syllable. Right. But that, and I proudly got introduced to a, a group of a thousand people one time as Elaine Chukka Khan, Chukan Brown. <laughs> Which that's, I'm okay with. That's pretty rad. Yeah. Um, you can find her on Insta, hawk underscore waka waka, uh, W-A-K-A twice, hawk underscore waka waka on Insta. And then obviously you, um, the last time I talked to you is when you were writing for Jantus Robinson. Yeah. Now you are doing, a, obviously we're the new reviewer for Wine Enthusiasts for Napa. Are we yeah. doing some other stuff? Are we dipping well, into I some write, other? Well, I travel all over the world writing and speaking about wine. Yeah. And so um, Instagram is the easiest way to kind of keep up with what I'm doing because I'm giving seminars all around the world. Um, and I generally will talk about them there to some extent. Yeah. But, or articles that have come out in print or online, I'll talk about there to some extent too. Cool. I love it. And then uh, Matt Kepman, obviously uh, Santa Barbara Independent, wine enthusiast, uh, Full Belly Files. That's right. It's my newsletter, my weekly newsletter. I every got, Friday. Every Friday. I got named best 
weekly newspaper newsletter in the state last year, which is kind of cool. Really? Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. I mean, can awards you, are funny. When you don't win, you're like, oh, these are stupid. When you win, you're like, yeah, that's Can you monetize that? Like, can you, <laughs> you put ads and stuff in the newsletter? They do. They sell it all the time. I have to write it every week. Now it's like a problem because I'm like, yeah, oh, I right. take a week off. Like, we sold it. <laughs> exactly. Oh, yeah. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> it doesn't influence what I write, but I still have to fill the space. No, but I'm right. just saying, I, you know. Mm. It's so funny now because with um, I'm, it's in broadcast radio for 20 years, but now that I'm on like podcast side, it's great. People can hear me from anywhere. We're in 46 states now with the Up and Adam, the top of the daily podcast, all good. But like you want to be in that that algorithm matters, so you want to feed that. So I'm doing it Monday through Friday. Now I'm trying to think of like content that you know whether it's nonprofit stuff or you know maybe hospitality stuff put on the weekend. Just so maybe I get an intern, let them do something, just so that feed can be fed. Continuous. You know? Yeah, it's very different. You know, yeah. it's a different space and medium. And, you know, learn, like, I, again, I, I've loved broadcasting for so long, but for to be kind of forced, kicked out of the nest and forced to look at it from that 30,000 aerial view and go, oh, well, this medium is changing. And, uh, you know, I mean, you guys are in writing. I mean, we've seen print change. I mean, so many of these different media, you know, aspects are, are changing right in front of our eyes. And, yeah. I mean, I feel like, especially with all you guys, there's, all, there's so much to offer and, and content and acumen at this table. It's like just finding the right means to use, whether it's, you know, it's a little Insta here or a little, it's a podcast here. I mean, it's uh, just trying to find a way to get out there and, and get it to people. Well, you're doing a great job. And, yes, and oh, I'm, it's really exciting to hear how successfully you're capturing an audience, you know, and bringing new people to wine. So congratulations on that, and thanks a lot for including us in that. Oh, this is so Absolutely. much fun. And as a participant, this is the easiest way for me to create content because I don't have to do anything after leaving here. Yes, right. <laughs> exactly. Well, I want to thank you guys for sharing where wine takes you, your stories, and more. Appreciate y'all. Thanks. Thank you. So give me that well simplified, good company. Wow, what a great chat. I'm just riding high after that. How fun. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm so glad that you are here. And also thanks to Elaine Chukan Brown. Wow. Matt Ketman, Chuck Faruya. So before the chat, I teased some news about Paso Wine Fest. Well, Tickets have been released. They are on sale today, right now. And if you are local from now until February 29th, yes, it's a leap year, remember? Locals can get tickets for just 99 bucks. Check out the info, PasoWine.com. Saturday, May 18th, Paso Robles Event Center, going to be unbelievable. Paso Wine Fest, over 100 wineries, the activations, the whole scene. A lot more food this year. I cannot wait. You can actually go to PasoWineFest.com, also PasoWine.com. It'll all take you where you need to be. And my friend, that is Paso Wine Fest. See you there. Saturday, May 18th. Tickets on sale now. 99 bucks until February 29th for locals. All right, for a travel Paso spotlight, we introduced you last year to the folks of At Her Table, Michelle Abara, and I'm looking forward to connecting with her again as this event gets closer. But At Her Table is a mission-driven initiative committed to elevating awareness, support, and connection among entrepreneurs in this vibrant industry. Now, their mission goes beyond the ordinary with a special focus on highlighting women's contributions, not just during Women's History Month, but throughout the entire year. At Her Table strives to create spaces of celebration and empowerment that are Open, welcome to everyone, regardless of gender, race, ethnicity, background, their events, 
educational discussions, uh, community connections. They're really grounded in the principles of diversity, equality, inclusivity. It's all about creating a community that uplifts every voice and honors the unique contributions of women alongside all members of a diverse community. So I want to dive in a little bit to their exciting initiatives in 2024. First up, the inclusive countywide festival celebrating Women's History Month. Picture this, an annual Women's Week event spanning the entire county of SoCal, dedicated to empowering individuals with a spotlight on women entrepreneurs in the food, beverage, even the lodging industry. This event not only celebrates the achievements and stories of women, but also welcomes participation from all community members. The goal? It's just to create an inclusive environment that highlights women's contributions and fosters allyship and support across the whole community. But that's not all. At her table is taking it a step further with their entrepreneurial elevation. It's a multifaceted learning journey, offering comprehensive educational programs, covering marketing, business management, diversity, and more. Led by industry experts, these programs are designed to enhance skills, promote inclusivity, really support professional growth for entrepreneurs in the food and beverage and lodging industries here. And for those looking to connect and cultivate their entrepreneurial spirit, At Her Table has covered you with Connect and Cultivate, entrepreneurial networking, hosting a quarterly series of networking and educational events. They aim to foster community, collabs, and foster growth among entrepreneurs. This includes themed workshops, business showcases, multilingual communication to ensure inclusivity and broad participation. And I can't wait to connect you once again with Michelle. It's evident that at her table, really dedicated to creating a community that not only celebrates success, but also supports each other in the journey. A big shout out to Michelle and the whole team of folks who are working hard to make at her table this year, their third year, their best year. And I encourage you to go to athertable.com, the website. You got events, food specials, there's even vacation packages there. It's really, really cool. They got this fun event at Flower House that kicks things off. Friday, March 1st, a Women of Color Symposium, a wine blending class. That's also Friday, March 1st, and this beautiful dinner at Sensorio. I was asked to MC this. This is going to be special. Friends of James Beard Foundation. Some of the wines there? Epic, Saxum, La Ventura, Thomas Creek, McPrice Myers, Albin. Wow. And then some of the featured chefs, Betsy Via Gomez, uh, Rusty Quirk from Linnea's, uh, Brittany Iracheta from Momotara Ramen. She's awesome. Megan Loring. Good God. Unbelievable lineup. So at her table goes from March 1st through 10th. Go to athertable.com and get the latest. Also, travelpaso.com is a great destination before your next trip. Any and all things Paso related, they got you. Check out travelpaso.com. And thanks to Travel Paso for the Travel Paso Spotlight. All right, what a show. Next episode, I know I teased it in the last episode, but we were able to get these guys and wanted to bring it to you really quick. I am excited to talk to our wine industry persons of the year. Yes, it is a couple. I can't wait to introduce you next episode to these two. A hint, one of them has been on the show before, but not the other. And I'm so excited to have her on as well. That's on the next episode of Where Wine Takes You, a show executive produced by Joel Peterson and my friends at Paso Robles Wine. Associate producer, Krista Smith. The show is recorded, edited, and produced by yours truly. 
Original music on the show, Good Company, performed by Moonshiner Collective. Stream them wherever you get your music and at moonshinercollective.com. Technical consideration provided by Fly With Wine. If you love SoCal and the Central Coast, you can check out my daily podcast, Up and Adam with Adam Montiel, Monday through Friday. It's available right here. Wherever you hear this podcast, you can hear that one too. You can also give me some feedback on the show. Ask me any question. I love when people hit me up on Insta and hey, say, hey, they're coming out for a, a weekend in a couple months or whenever. Can you give me some ideas? I am down. You can go to my Insta at Adam on the air. Hit me up there. But you can also go to my website, adamonteal.com. M-O-N-T-I-E-L. There's a Stay Connected tab, adamonteal.com for the latest. Well, I hope 2024 is doing right by you and you are blazing trails this year like never before. Thanks for sharing this podcast with a friend and also rating, reviewing, and subscribing to Where Wine Takes You. It means a lot. Thanks for connecting with us again. I'm your host, Adam Montiel. So lift that glass up high. Cheers to you for being here each episode where these words and stories blend like a beautiful Paso wine. May you continue to follow, enjoy, and relish where wine takes you. So give me that phone sound we get by We pass all around to the job is jump Camped out in the cheese that will simplify Look company, give me that phone sound we get by We pass all around to the job is jump Camped out in the cheese that will simplify Look company, give me that phone sound we get by We pass all around to the job is jump Camped out in the cheese that will simplify Look company, give me that phone sound we get by We pass all around to the job is job. Camped out in a cheesy world, simplifying good company.